Welcome back to Conversations in the Word. My name is Nick Funderburk. I am the discipleship pastor here at First Baptist Dothan. And today I'm joined by my friend Charles Ward. Good to be here. This is a little bit different of a conversation than we've had so far. Typically, these conversations gear around specific types of ministry or um, themes that we are trying to uh, teach on in the church. So like last time was a conversation with Taylor just about a general culture of discipleship in the church. Uh, This time I wanted to kind of shift gears and just have a, at least hopefully, a candid conversation um, just about sort of just longevity in church membership, um, in faithfulness, in following Christ. You've been a believer longer than I have. I don't think that's an assumption. You've actually told me a little bit of your testimony, so I can say for certain you've been a, long, you've been a believer um, longer than I've been alive. So I feel personally I have a lot to learn from you. I think our church does as well. Hmm. So Charles, um, tell me a little bit about your uh, testimony, just briefly. How did you first hear the gospel? A little bit about your first years of faith? Yeah. Um, first year that I can say that I was, uh, I listened well enough uh, to actually uh, be convicted about something was, um, I was listening, uh, li- going up in Andalusian on Sunday night. We had a program for, called the uh, uh, old-fashioned revival hour that came over our AM radio station there. And uh, Charles Fuller, he got talking about uh, hell and and uh, the fact that uh, if you weren't a, if you didn't know Jesus, you know that that was that was going to be your destination. And uh, that uh, that kind of toggled with me. But in uh, in looking back, I can't remember how that really affected me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to church and all, and I was uh, a regular boy. I'd get out and play because you didn't have TV at that time. You didn't have. Uh, I don't. I don't remember doing that. In fact, I did. I don't believe that I had a salvation experience at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually came probably during my junior year in high school when uh, I really got convicted of the fact that uh, the way that I was living and the way that I was doing was certainly not um, the uh, the mark of a, a born-again Christian. And so uh, I repented of my sins and I asked God to forgive me. Um, that rocked alone there through high school and into the service called to active duty, uh, went out to California and to Mojave Desert and did tanker training, stayed out there for 10 months. But uh, I tried to have a walk there within my uh, other soldiers and all by, uh, really it was a concept of what I don't do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I don't drink, I don't cuss, I don't chew. Or as they old saying, run around with girls that do. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, it was it was more about that, and really wasn't uh, because of of, of convictions. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, I'm a late bloomer in really kind of getting getting an idea of what it's really all about. And uh, I started making headway in that when I started thinking about the inner man. Mm-hmm. 
who I was inside. Who who am I in the dark? People see me and they think I'm something, but who am I really? Mm-hmm. And uh, I started uh, wanting to uh, work toward uh, holiness and purity because the Bible tells us that we are to be holy as God is holy. I don't, I don't mean holier than thou or put yourself on a pedestal or anything, but I, I knew that I needed to start dealing with the the old man, which uh, I, I believe that we still, until we Jesus comes or we uh, we die, we still have to deal with that old yeah. flesh. Mm-hmm. And Paul had to deal with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, But uh, started thinking about how do I need to think purely and rightly. And, uh, of course, some of the scriptures that, that come to mind there, like Philippians 4, 8, or, or Romans 12, 1 and 2 about renewing your mind and all. And um, I think there, my, when, when I really started dealing with that, of course, the Jesus Sermon on the Mount, if you look on a woman and you lust after her, it's the same as, as before God as actually having, having fornication or adultery with her. And those kind of things, what I was trying to deal with, and and not just what people saw, but who I was and who I was before God, and that's probably been the last maybe 15 years. We we came moved over from Andalusia here in 1968, mm-hmm. and uh, we had already watched uh, services on WTVY Channel Four from Andalusia. They had a the uh, First Baptist Hour had a mm-hmm. had a show about five o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Who was the pastor at the time? Harper Shannon okay. was the pastor then. And then you joined. And we joined. After. We we joined here uh, uh, two weeks after that, and uh, have uh, tried to be involved. Taught Sunday school probably for almost thirty years here. Yeah. Tenth and eleventh grade. Uh, I wanted to ask what are what are some of the ways that you did. I mean, this, so this was in 1968, mm-hmm. so you've been here a while. Yeah. What are some of the ways that you've served the church? You said you, you taught Sunday school for a while. Sunday school, uh, deacon. Mostly uh, I worked on the uh, soundboard. Yeah. Uh, leave Sunday school and come in here and, and do that. And we had a TV ministry just getting started. Uh, had some old TV equipment, but... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, had a good group of guys that met up there. We'd have a little Bible study up there before we started on Sunday morning. But so I've, I've tried to be involved and uh, thought that, uh, that we we needed to be. You and Julianne have been especially encouraging and kind to Hannah and I, to our whole family, um, to the ministry of the church in the time I've been here, and. So I think I, you know, I want to, you know, first of all, say thank you sure. for just how you've the the kindness you've shown us. What are some ways that you think um, the church could grow in its ability to encourage and serve one another? Similar to how you know I see this example of you and Julianne serving in a, in a lot of ways. Um, you show up. For us as pastors, you know, when, when somebody asks this type of question, the first thing we always say is just show up. Yeah. Be there Sunday morning. Commit to a community group. Be present and active in that group. Come Wednesday night. Come pray with us Wednesday night. 
So I, ho I hope I didn't steal all of your, <laughs> your answers. No, no, no. But some, what are some ways that you no, would um, encourage? Uh, you know, so people always say <clears throat> sometimes uh, I don't know what my gift is. I don't, I don't know what I can do. Uh, I just feel like I don't have any gifts. Well, all of us can be an encourager. It's a simple thing to do. And uh, we we believe that uh, everybody needs to be encouraged and everybody needs to be lifted up. And uh, uh, I'll say this not because you're sitting there or I know that one of the other pastors uh, will see this, but um, I will say that it's our our observation that right now we have the best overall staff we've ever had and we mean that i don't i don't like try not to do fake uh encouragement like uh trying to build so much up uh, somebody's head or uh, mm -hmm. you know who i am but uh, pointing out things that are true and uh that uh, would like Taylor and you and all to encourage the ones that are are all our pastors stay true to the word and and uh, in this culture in which we live, mm -hmm. especially here over the last couple of years, finding a church where the word of God is taught and revered is getting to be a thing of the past. How do you think in church we can better? bridge the generational gap between the older and the younger generation having um having time with each other mm. uh, more than just the youth being over here by themselves and then the old people be over here uh, the epic people which i are one uh, <laughs> um, but uh, having some some interaction interactions in yeah. the church not necessarily playing games all the time, but just you know something to for let them see that older people uh, are interested in them, yeah. and uh, that they're. Um, I know a lot of young people are going through stages where they're trying to figure out who they are, mm -hmm. and what you know what life's really all about, and uh, they need some some good examples and of course my generation would be like their grandparents or, or great grandparents <laughs> um, so that's pretty pretty big void there but um, I, th I think whatever we can do to do things together yeah. uh, would be good and um, seeing them involved in, in church and us giving yeah. them encouragement like those kids were up here Sunday Mm -hmm. uh, tried to go around as many of them as I could and tell them how much we enjoyed what they did. Yeah. How has your time in a single church, sort of your longevity in just being a member here, how has it helped you understand your your role in the church? Well, of course, um, <clears throat> there are examples that you you see. Um, mine would um, be older, older men that I was looking at, older than I was when I was in here. Um, I, I think it's. I just thought of something that's kind of funny though that uh, we we thought that uh, 
the way you were getting it done was you uh, on Sunday you put on your suit and you came and you were you were ready. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have on your suit, then you weren't spiritual. You weren't doing it. I mean, it, that's really true that some people, and even as we see y'all being con- conventional here in Taylor's thing that which doesn't bother me at all. Uh, some people, older people, will think was. He's not really dressed. In fact, I, this is interesting, but I actually had an atheist that I've been trying to deal with and talk to for a long time make comments on what's, what's happening to your church down there. You don't have a pulpit up there, and your pastor comes out in street clothes. What in the world is going on down there? And the choir don't wear robes anymore? And this is from an atheist now, mm-hmm. not even a church member. But... Um, some of that stuff had to had to take take and go in my mind is it's not who the it's not that outer presentation that counts. It's what's in your heart and what is your motivation? We we'll say, well, you're doing good work. Well, what's your motivation? What do you do it for? You do it for the glory of God and to to help people, or do you want people to come by and say, well, you're gonna get two gold stars on your place on the wall there? And uh, I think that makes all the difference in the world is why we do things. And learning, learning that, uh, too, to I want to be authentic in what I do. And uh, as I st- stated, too, in the little paper that, you know, you asked me to do, too, about, per, you know, First Corinthians and all. And, uh, and the devotion, yeah. Yeah, is, is that we are here um, on this earth and uh, to do good works. And the good works doesn't save us, but we are to do good works. Well, those works uh, have merit. uh, And uh, there is, I I believe, somebody might have a different interpretation that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and all the things that we've done since we've been in the body will be judged by the the great judge, Jesus. And uh, if they were done... Uh, with the right attitude, they become like gold, silver, and precious metals. But if we did it to get people's uh, favor and people pat us on the back, they become wood, hay, and stubble, and they will be burned up in the test. But we will be saved as by fire. Mm-hmm. And some, I told somebody, one of my young friends, I said, uh, when I get before the judgment seat of Christ, I don't want to smell like smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, then I'm glad you're here for this next question. What would you say to the older generation, the epic generation in the church, about their role in the church? Um, I think it's uh, important for them to be seen um, as being... Um, Happy, and I know people that have depression and things like that are not going to be happy, but they need to see that people at this stage of life uh, are still fluid in the sense that they want to be involved in doing good things. But we need to we need to sh- uh, show that we have uh, the joy of the Lord, and that's our strength, as the yep. song says, and the in the verse verses I think it's Psalms, but. Uh, uh, we don't need to mope around 
hopefully not bent over any more than we have to be because of our backs, but not uh, not just saying we're just wasting away and waiting until Jesus comes or I die, yep. that we're out moving, doing. Yep. And that, that encouragement is something all old people can do to younger people. Yeah, yeah I think you said, you said it first. It's important that you're being seen. And it's not just seeing one another. <laughs> it's that the younger generations are seeing you. Mm-hmm. And just as you said, you had men that you saw in the church that were, uh, that exemplified serving the church or godliness. And it made you want to, you know, be like them. That's right. We need to be able to see the older generations. Charles, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was a joy to have a conversation with you again. It's always good to talk to you and Julianne. You're always wonderful and encouraging people. So that's it for today and uh, Conversations in the Word. I hope you'll join us next time.